Here Comes Everybody podcast. I'm here with none other than Shem the Pen. Shem, how are you doing this uh, fine afternoon? Well, almost afternoon. No, still morning. Morning. 41. Yeah, it's morning till about 7 o'clock at night. <laughs> right. Then I wake up. All yeah. right. So good morning to you. It's uh, April 19th. It's a Wednesday, and it's 2017. And today, we are going to t- discuss Watergate and good old Tricky Dick. Yeah. Along with his motley crew of... Uh, jackals. Jackals. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> so, um, well, you had something you wanted to say before we start, right? In regards to Tricky Dick, didn't you? Well, I would say this is a... It's an interesting story. We're going to get into some really... A lot of cool shenanigans, spy stuff. Yeah. But to frame the story, it starts and it ends with Richard Nixon. Alone, embattled, embittered, angry at the world. It's where he starts and that's where he ends, all along. I mean, it's a Shakespearean story. People use the term Shakespearean. Right. This is Shakespearean. This is Richard III, you know? Well, you did. You showed me that his uh, farewell speech to the White House staff. Uh, when it, you know, around 1973 or whenever that was. 74. 74, yeah. my apologies. And uh, it seemed like that. Very much so. Yeah. He was sweating on his upper lip, I saw. Had a couple you cocktails. You probably think he had a couple yeah. cocktails there. So, cool. Well, let's get into it. Um, first off, uh, this is something that always piqued my interest and I never followed up on. So, where did the term gate of Watergate come from? Well, the Watergate Hotel. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Everybody uses the term Watergate, mm-hmm. deflate gate, spy gate, everything. All with sports, especially. Yeah. It's been overused and pounded into the ground. If you did something bad and people find out about it, it's, it's a, a gate. It's a gate. Yeah. It's a gate. Yeah. Like, okay. I had a DWI gate in <laughs> DWI Jersey. Gate. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> but it's the Watergate Hotel in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And that was the Democratic National Committee headquarters. Okay. And that's where they broke in. That's what we're going to discuss. Why did they break in? All the details. All the details. We're going to get into all, all that, that good shit. So, now give me a little background about Nixon. He apparently he was a Quaker. He was a perennial loser. And very politically ambitious, it sounds. And from what I heard, too, like even his debate with JFK, where he was like sweating. He yeah. looked like he wanted... Audio, from an audio standpoint, but from a visual standpoint, fucked out all of that up. Well, he was bitter at Kennedy because, yeah, he was a twisted, conflicted guy. If you think about Quakers, mm-hmm. that's where his had a poor family in California, mm-hmm. came from nothing. That's one of the reasons he hated the Kennedys because they were, you yeah. know, he hated. That's what you're talking about. That debate you're talking about from Nixon's standpoint, Kennedy is the rich. Charismatic, charismatic guy, good looking dude, broads, yeah. good looking guy, mm-hmm. and here's Nixon, you know, who, who got shit on his whole life, and he's right. his big shot, and he blows it. You yeah, know? yeah. But it's interesting that he's Quaker because I have some Quaker roots. Oh, do you? And I sort of try to uphold the Quaker values. Oh. Quakers are not religious, but. You're talking about pacifism, radical pacifism. Yeah. That there's even a Quaker um, place in Oakland, I think, the Society of Friends. Yes, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it means to me, like, conscientious objection to war. They were into, like, abolitionist movements. Mm-hmm. It's radical pacifism. No war, you know, justice, 
peace, justice, equality. Sure. That's what Quakers are about to me. That's what I try to hold. Yeah. I'm, I got Quaker Oh, I could definitely tell that. You know? yeah. yeah. But Nixon had some of that. And yet, he also was politically ambitious. So I think he had all those twisted qualities that make him an interesting character. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that he was so embittered makes him a dangerous guy because when those bitter people that are really ambitious get to power, watch out because then they have scores to settle. Yeah, you got an axe to grind. You you got a lot of shit build up. So, interesting. And you're paranoid at the world and Mm -hmm. you see enemies everywhere. Yeah. And guys like that get power... That's maybe psychologically where the, the the bad shit comes from. Saddam Hussein or somebody like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Like he did, if he, if you sat Saddam Hussein down with a therapist, you know, Doctor <laughs> Melfine, and said, "Look, what happened with your parents?" You know. Yeah. Right? And and there's probably some of that shit, the, the twisted, yeah. you know, but ambitious, but also seeing enemies everywhere and. For sure. Then having to settle grudges and scores. You know? Yeah. So yeah. from that sense, of like Kennedy maybe was a better equipped for a presidency because he was more had a higher esteem and had, was confident. All yeah, that. Kind of yeah. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And didn't or like Obama, you know, was willing to work with people. You know, who right. said like I have my beliefs, but I'll. You know, I'll work with this, make concessions, and work with the other side, and sure. I don't see things as everybody see enemy. I'm trying to do the right thing. You'd say Nixon was a very stubborn politician in yes. regards to what he wanted and his viewpoints on things. Okay. Um, so next up, we have his. I guess this kind of sets a precedent for some of his other speeches. Was the Checkers speech? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, Nixon came to power, like, first with the sort of McCarthy era. You know about that, like, all the... Yep, the accusation of commies. And yep, he got stuff. in on that. He said, oh, let me ride this wave. Mm-hmm. But right as he's getting into power, there's, like, some bribery allegations. So he has to give a speech. It becomes a famous checker speech. Yeah. Where he gets up and says, you know, you can take everything you have, but don't you dig... My little dog checkers, you know. <laughs> Don't you take the American flag, and it becomes a famous, yeah, and shamelessly <laughs> shilling his dog, shilling, you know, putting his dog and his his right. family out there. My little girl loves my dog, so don't take my dog, you know. And yeah. that's how he got out of that one. Mm-hmm. And it becomes he sets a precedent where he screws up, he does bad shit, and then has to give a speech. You know, <laughs> um, I may have done some bad things. Feel some pity for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But don't you dare take my country. I'm a patriot. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's it's he, he's shameless. Yeah. But he, he, you can see that's already working on his psyche. That mm-hmm. like. Look, I'm trying to do the right thing, and they're trying to bring me down. He's seeing they, they, they yeah, everywhere. Everybody you know? else, is. and he's seeing other people rise up, and he's seeing the Kennedys who were who did all kinds of crazy shit. They oh, were connected yeah. to the mob. There was all kinds of pay. Supposedly, the '60 election was people have claimed that it was fixed. That yeah. Nixon still may have technically could have won, mm-hmm. but there was shenanigans in Chicago and all over. So 
he sees all that. Yeah, and he's just getting. I gotta give these speeches to the rubes, and you know, in the background, he's probably got a scotch and saying, "Yeah, how dare they fucking those motherfuckers? Those motherfuckers <laughs> beat me again, yeah. and they're beat." You know, I. I so you get to see. It's like I have to admit, I relate to Richard Nixon a little bit. Yeah. That you see the world doesn't treat you. Right, you know what I mean. You see people moving ahead, these scumbags. Yeah, and I'm still getting shit on. I relate to that a little bit, you know. That's what makes a good villain too. You you gotta relate to some of them, you know. Richard the Third, the Shakespeare villain, was like Nixon. He was kind of an ugly guy, and you know, was getting passed over. Yeah, and then when he finally came to power, forget about it. Mm -hmm. He's killing kids. Richard, I mean, that's a famous comparison. Yeah, it's a perfect comparison. Richard the Third. Yeah, it's like that bully mentality when you get bullied as a kid. Yeah, when you get bullied as young, you kind of become a bully if you yeah. have power. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. So, all right. Um, so Dwight D. Eisenhower was the vice president in the late fifties, and he got frozen out. Well, yeah. So then Nixon became the the vice president, and Eisenhower. You're looking at another like alpha. Who's easily just you know has respect from people, sure, general, general, yeah, and yeah. all that shit. But Nixon was kind of like, you know, yeah, they, just, he was just kind of like the dog in the right. dog. Oh, okay, you go take care of this over here. You're not involved. Yeah. yeah. So again, he's hitting a ceiling, he's taking a back seat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No cap. Um, the he lost the California governor in '62. Nixon did. Um, he had Paris, there was Paris peace talks in well, Vietnam. Well, so when we get to, he loses 60. Sure. And then he figures, so after he loses to Kennedy in 60 with that famous thing where he's sweating and all that. Yep. He, now he's got to go and say, all right, how do I salvage the career? Okay. He figures, I'll just become governor in California and build myself up. Yeah. And he loses that. Oh, my God. And that's when he gives a speech, yeah. you won't have... Nixon to kick around anymore. Oh, yeah. That famous bit, okay, that's yeah. from 62. Mm-hmm. Getting more angry. He goes into private life and becomes a lawyer through the 60s. Yeah. And he gets sort of dragged back in. Now, the 60s are a key time. I'd say the 20th century, probably the 40s and the 60s were the big decades of, of like, when shit popped yeah, off. And yeah. you know, the interesting times. Yeah, absolutely. So Vietnam kicks in, obviously. Mm -hmm. And again, whether that started with Kennedy, maybe even started with Eisenhower. But the interesting thing is Lyndon Johnson is the president, becomes the president after Kennedy dies. Sure. He gets elected officially. By 68, he decides not to run. Mm -hmm. Now, why is that? Yeah. I don't know. It's a very interesting thing that... Who, how many presidents who were elected decide not to run for re-election right, right. in the next term? Yeah. That's a low number. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's an interesting thing. So he, he steps out. So that becomes a wide open field. But you're inheriting a shitstorm. Right. You're inheriting mm-hmm. Vietnam. You're inheriting all the people that are rising up and the changing of American culture fighting back against this shit. Maybe Johnson just said, fuck it, I'm done with this. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. I've got my presidency, you know, whatever. Yeah, I, like, I don't even want to be a part. Maybe that mm-hmm. was the right move, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so he wins the peace presidency. Or he wins the presidency, but, it, uh, so, how, did he, 
Nixon, did he uh, incorporate some of the peace talks and he helped with that? Was that? This is the thing with that. Okay. So this is this is why, as much as we kind of say Nixon's relatable, yeah, he was a scumbag. I mean, he was a tyrant. Mm-hmm. And so in six by sixty eight, Vietnam is getting way out of hand, and. Johnson is looking to sort of end it, to bring the war to a close. Okay. Because they know it's getting out of hand. So there are peace talks to end the war. Mm-hmm. What Nixon does is, as he's running, he wants to get credit to end the war. So he sends through back channels a way to say, don't, he says to South Vietnam, don't listen to this peace talk shit. Whoa. I'll get you a better deal. He goes through a, a woman called, she's known as the Dragon Lady, <laughs> Anna Chanel, who is like connected with all these, she, she seems like kind of a cool, again, this is a big picture of Watergate as a video game. She'd yeah. be like a kind of a side character. Right, right. Like a little bit of a, like you could picture her as a video game character. Yeah. And she, through, representing Nixon, sort of, um, screws up ends the peace talks mm-hmm. which dis- which all that destruction that that caused that causes Vietnam to continue yeah and so that's how Nixon wins the election promising to end the war meanwhile the war could have already oh, been no, ended, ended. <laughs> and the war goes on for another five years that's what the peace and Another thing of Nixon, he's, that's another skeleton in his closet. When we ask the question moving forward, why did Watergate happen? Why was he so paranoid? Because yeah. he's got a lot of shit to hide. Yeah. Paris peace talks in 68 is a big thing to hide. That's treason. Yeah. There was an article a couple years ago that came out supposedly that Johnson knew about it. Mm-hmm. And he knew this is treasonous what Nixon did. And I guess he didn't do anything about it. I mean, there was some back talk or whatever it was. Yeah, wow. That's a really key thing in American history. Yeah. That Nixon upset that and screwed that up. Right. And caused Vietnam to continue. He's got some horse shit to hide, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah, horse shit to hide is, is yeah, right. Yeah. Right. So he wins the presidency uh, and there's like, it's kind of eerie too, the, the staff that Nixon brings in because it is kind of like similar to Donnie Boy. Exactly. You know? Yeah. He's got business people exactly. uh, with those business ideologies, and he's obsessed with the press mm-hmm. and what the press puts out on him. Saw conspiracies everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, sounds like somebody we know. Right, right. <laughs> he views himself as unfairly martyred. And then uh, J. Edgar Hoover's FBI. Where does that come into play here? Oh, yeah. Hoover was a total scumbag too yeah yeah and the 60s are the time of wiretapping everybody's wiretapping everybody's listening on everybody else everybody's getting secrets on everybody wiretapping was the twitter of the 60s was absolutely (laughs) well like wikileaks and all that Mm -hmm. shit so you spy on each other you use this information on each other and everybody had phones, so that was the thing right right. now they probably look at all our texts and all that shit right and or and but but Hoover was all about collecting secrets and then blackmailing people. He tried to blackmail uh, Martin Luther King. Oh, okay. You know? See, this little shit I don't know. All like. that Cointel Pro. I mean, J. Edgar Hoover was a villain, was a piece of shit. Yeah. To say that is to, to almost insult a piece of shit to compare him to a piece of shit. Yeah. J. Edgar Hoover was a uh, stinking sucker, as 
Chuck D says. <laughs> Stinking sucker. You know? <laughs> but, so, you have to sort of see how these different organizations, CIA, FBI, the White House, Joint Chiefs of Staff, military, are all separate organizations. It's not one big thing. Collaborative. They're all collecting secrets on each other, and they're all kind of against each other. Yeah. So to, to be powerful and be successful, you have to sort of use that together. Yeah. That's one of the things that Hoover did why he was powerful, is he collects secrets and say, okay, I'll work with you. Just know I have this shit on you. Yeah. I have this shit on them. Maybe I'll give you a little bit of this. I'll give you a little <laughs> bit of that, you know? Yeah. And... And so Nixon was scared of Hoover. Mm-hmm. He wanted to work with him, but yeah. but Hoover is a big defines this wiretapping era. He said he was a pioneer. Yeah, pioneer yeah. of that business. Yep, that's kind of funny too. Our because our underground episode, the one we trial episode, was all about gangs. Gang, and absolutely. It's that's like what Tupac this, said. Yeah, yeah. These are gangs. These are FBI, gangs, man. CIA. Yeah, these are gangs, mm-hmm. and they're not like. Always friendly with each other, no. you know. You, the, the people that think of oh, it's the government as one right. big thing. No, 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 it's not. It's, it's probably not the ultimate way you want your country to be run, but that's how it goes. That's how it's going to be run. That's right. how we. You can't. It is that. what it is. People are pieces of shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're a whole bunch yeah. of assholes. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, so, to get into that, Nixon installs taping equipment in the Oval Office, wiretapping. Uh, within the White House, newspapers, all that kind of thing. He he try he incorporates that in. Like, does he he wiretaps everything like that kind of stuff? So like, like and- if you are, there was a New York Times writer called Jack Anderson. Okay, who would write, you know, articles criticizing the war, criticizing Nixon. Nixon would go, I want a wiretap on his phone, and Hoover would get it done. Holy shit! So they're listening to his wife talk about shit. And they're listening, and they're getting. This is so illegal and so foul, <laughs> yeah. and it's business as usual. <laughs> and it, it's like the this thing is what it's one of the things that's been pointed out is once you start that, it's hard to stop. Sure, you set that precedent. Well, what are you going to stop wiretapping? No, no, no. You're going to keep going. This is building. What Dean later said, as we we will see later, um, John Dean, the counsel to the president, he said mm-hmm. there is a cancer on the presidency. Yeah, it's a famous quote about it defines the Nixon presidency. This is a cancer that's growing. Yeah, and yeah. one of the things is the wiretapping thing, mm-hmm. where to see enemies and say, "Okay, I'm gonna have a tap on him." So, like, if Keystone Statement, Statement yeah. writes an article about Trump and Trump, Trump. says, "I want, I want that short a tap bald on that short guy. I yeah. want a tap on his phone. <laughs> I want to see every one of his texts." Yeah, and not only that, I want to talk to his therapist. <laughs> I want his mom. I want everybody. I want his brothers. I want any Whole information family. on him. His goddamn dog checkers. Yeah, <laughs> anything. Man. That's what Nixon did. Yeah. literally. Yeah, and it's. It, I mean, so it's scary, man. And and this is a b- building. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Um, yeah, private citizens had their phone tapped. Nixon broker Donald. Or his brother, his brother, I'm sorry, his brother, not his broker. Donald was kind of like the Fredo of the Godfather. He was exactly Fredo. So, like, Nixon, they say one of the reasons Nixon lost in 60, his brother Donald is the Fredo of the family, the guy who just goes against family business. Yeah. And apparently there was a loan from Howard Hughes, 
and he's like a perennial loser, embarrassment to the family. Yeah. So Donald Nixon is another guy who gets tapped and followed. Yeah. He goes out to California and has like a failing fast food business like Fredo. <laughs> and you picture Nixon talking like Michael DeFredo, don't you ever go against the family hey, again, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and he was, so he's another target. That's crazy. That is fucking crazy. So, okay, a lot of mistrust going on there. Mm-hmm. Not a healthy way to govern. Uh, Nixon creates a... Now, tell me about this. Yeah, he creates a paranoid spy apparatus that sets a life on its own. Like, he just creates a whole spy kind of just as a, like a, as a theory almost. Not a theory, but like a, a whole vibe going on, like a spy. Is that what you mean by that? Yeah, like almost creating his own... FBI. Yeah, yeah. So it goes into that, okay. Um, which doesn't, like you say, doesn't breed loyalty. Uh, the task works both ways. With the leak of the Ellsberg Pentagon Papers. Um, and a lot of it's against the law. So one thing, the Pentagon Papers are key to this. Mm-hmm. And Daniel Ellsberg, like everybody we're talking about is a villain and a scumbag. Daniel Ellsberg was not. And mm-hmm. he was a kind of heroic guy and it's interesting like right in the new Harper's that just came out mm-hmm. there's an old archive interview with him from 74 and he, he really makes some interesting points how like power is addicted to the flow of secret information yeah and they're addicted to these you know the crowds and they don't care about that there's deaths and there's war going on yeah yeah Daniel Ellsberg was commissioned by Robert McNamara Mm-hmm. Another the general, another, yeah. another guy who was involved in Vietnam, and is another jackal yeah. who later in life tried to rescind and tried to say he. There was a documentary called Fog of War, okay, about ten years ago, and where he tried to realize he. These people probably get older and they realize, holy shit, all the, you know, the deaths and the destruction yeah. and the, the families and anybody from any side in war that. It's such a massive tragedy. Sure, yeah. And to me, you don't get off the hook. No. uh You stay on the hook. I want to bring back, even today, the guillotine and the gallows, the headings of these people. Yeah. You know, radical, I'm sort of a pacifist, and that's so much always a pacifist. When it comes to shit like... Yeah, beheadings, beheadings, beheadings. 1789, French Revolution, let's bring it back. (laughs) But, so, so what Robert McNamara said within the military said let's get an account of what's going on in Vietnam I want to know what's going on where we're at uh, just for my personal just for our records sure so he goes to the RAND Corporation which is like a military uh, analyst one of the guys is Daniel Ellsberg okay who ends up involved with studying this stuff as he's studying it he realizes this is really bad <laughs> this is Vietnam is bad for our country, for the people over there, for the world, for just moral as a moral human being. Yeah, I don't want to be a part of this. He turns from sort of just a military guy, you know, analyst to an anti-war uh, yeah. guy. He comes sort of a hero. Yeah, yeah. And in by '71, he decides to leak what get termed as the Pentagon Papers. Mm-hmm which get published in the New York Times and begin to show 
really Americans what's really going on in it's Vietnam. Happening, yeah. So Daniel Ellsberg becomes public enemy number one for to Nixon. the Nixon. Yeah, okay. For the, for the Nixon. But he's yeah. he should be remembered as a hero, I think. Okay. Um, do you want to talk about Chuck Colson a little bit? Okay, so Chuck Colson was a scumbag. Okay. Um, but he's involved with... Now, Nixon has to set up a... When we talk about this wiretapping and stuff, you have to think about how it really got set up. Like, he's got to use people close to him and find the money, find the people, find literally the equipment... You know what I mean? The spy stuff. Right, to yeah. Take that. these people to record the conversations, to make sure they stay in their job, you know? Yeah, yeah. So Colson's involved, Jeb Magruder, as we see Howard Hunt. Yeah. Who we know from the JFK. Oh, that's right. Howard Hunt is the guy who on his deathbed said he was involved in the JFK. Assassination, oh, okay. which is bullshit. I don't yeah. think he was. He was a spy author. Yeah. You know? Yeah. These guys all get together and they love this shit. <laughs> and you think if you're like a spy who's into this kind of crap, mm-hmm. what better job to have from the President of the United States to say, go ahead. Yeah. Here's this money. Is your playground. Here's your playground. And what's yeah. funny is if you read about this stuff, like, it's like, how they worked all the time it's like well they go out and have a lobster dinner then they go do this <laughs> yeah. and like literally the night of Watergate breaking they'll say like so and so is coming back from having a Sunday, and <laughs> you know then they find out about this so they, they're like this is beautiful to them it's like if you're a musician and somebody says here's a ton of money your here's own a studio. stage here's yeah. your own studio Play whatever you want, do yeah. whatever the fuck you want. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. So for these guys, this is a dream job, but they also have to deliver. Mm-hmm. So there's pressure to say, okay, we're giving you all this shit. We want info. We, we need want results. Dirt. We yeah. want results. Yeah. Okay. And I guess uh, Gordon Liddy's a part of that too. Gordon Liddy's cool. I, yeah. He's not cool, but I. I he's an interesting him. character. I love Gordon <laughs> Liddy because. Have you? Do you know him? Have you ever? Heard I've him? heard of his name before. Yeah. He was like he became like a talk radio, uh, AM like a Rush Limbaugh almost. I know he used to go on Howard Stern. Did sometime. he? That's where I used to hear. Yeah. Him. And he'd be like, he, he had like a dry sense of humor, but Howard would ask like, "Did you ever kill anybody?" And he would say like. Well, in the line of duty, of course, you know, like shit like that. <laughs> yeah, he was yeah. stunting a little bit. Yeah, but he was, he he like was the an absolute rock of almost a villain spy. Yeah. That like, I mean, I put in there like after Watergate broke, he went to one of the um, Nixon people and said, "Look, if you need me to be shot." Just tell me where to go. I'll be shot. <laughs> yeah. You know, and the Nixon people, you have oh, to understand, man. the Nixon people are like politicians and business people. They're they're opening Pandora's box yeah. of these monsters that are like taking over. And <laughs> and the Nixon people are going like, be shot. What the fuck are we? Jeez. And, and literally they're having conversations of like, what are we doing with these fucking people that, right. that are like. They're like they're realizing now. You gave the musician all this money, and he's bringing in all his druggy friends. Exactly. Right? Yeah. There's like holy shit. There's coke everywhere, <laughs> right. and there's broads, <laughs> and there's like wait a minute. You know, this <laughs> yeah. is 
so Liddy was cool, and he and his, his bit. He wrote a book called Will. Uh huh. I have that. It was a, I, I I dig it. And like he goes to jail and puts a. Um, his trick was he put a. Uh, lighter under his hand and just burned his hand. You know what I mean? So you picture him going, <laughs> yeah. all the Watergate people went to jail. Like those <laughs> right. were, That's how he proved. You picture people in jail just go, <laughs> oh, God, not fucking right. that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll let this all guy right. pass. I read you, know? you man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Liddy, Hunt, these guys are now in charge of the, the Nixon spy yeah. organization. And you, and it's kind of, you can think it's kind of admirable in a way that they, they're that loyal. Mm-hmm. In regards to, like Nixon and his plans and all that stuff, which, and and more so than his administration, I suppose you'd kind of say a little bit in a weird way. I mean, these guys are soldiers, and they didn't even really, you know, the the Nixon people, of course, were all out for themselves and eventually turned on each other and sure. all that shit. These guys, these spy guys, they brought in were. Ended up getting screwed over. I mean, they all went to jail too, but they were loyal to what they the, what they were sticking with. Yeah, in a weird way. Yeah, yeah, they were soldiers. Yeah, the Nixon people not so much. They were business people. Sure. You know? Yeah, they were yeah. politicians. Politicians, exactly. So now these crazy ideas that you have written down were pretty fascinating to me. I fucking laughed out loud when I read this. Uh, they had they had a lot a yacht with prostitutes. To try to lure the Democratic politicians onto, right? Is that, well, or that was a plan that they had? Liddy comes in to, <clears throat> I think, uh, I guess it's um, Nixon's. I think it was his attorney general, is John Mitchell, an old school Nixon crony, always had a pipe, a bald guy. Yeah, and he ended up getting blamed for a lot of this shit. So these spy guys come in one day and they say, okay, John Mitchell, they've got a plans for you to see. <laughs> yeah. And this Mitchell's a little straight. I mean, he's more straight-laced. Yeah. And Liddy comes in with this shit like, all right, we're going to have a yacht. We're going to have some whores, but really good whores. We're <laughs> going to get uh, Democratic politicians on there, and we're going to get dirt on them like that. Yeah. And then there's other shit. What, like, right. They, okay. They, we have uh, throwing chemical stink bombs at Democratic parties. Literally <laughs> happened. Did that happen? Kidnapping uh, uh, leaders. That was an idea. That was an idea. You know what I mean? That didn't... <laughs> Sabotaging the air conditioning. Sabotaging. Literally, like, sending pizzas, sending a thousand pizzas uh-huh. to a... But or and a lot of the shit they did was they put moles in um, the, the Democratic candidates, uh-huh. and they put up signs like in a poor neighborhood, free dinner at the <laughs> convention. I mean, really foul stuff. Yeah. And a lot of, I mean, it's like a lot of race baiting, uh-huh. and connecting, and and just literally lying. Like what happened with what George Bush did to. Um, John McCain mm-hmm. was it uh, when he said like <clears throat> what's that bit where it, it just he, he said something awful about like his kids or was this really dirty politics Herbert Walker uh, no no W W okay um, hmm. I don't looked that up but it, yeah. but there, it was it, it's really foul dirty politics of using people using the rubes and middle American racism sure to sort of connect these, these other the opponent to something totally nefarious yeah. mm-hmm. you know and so it's just shameless dirty politics just, going yeah on. crazy fucking shit um, alright uh, let's see now getting back to Ellsberg 
they want to, like you were saying, Nixon, he was like public enemy number one for the Nixon administration. Uh, they get these plumbers, right? These plumbers to... That's the term for, for these spies. Okay, yeah, these spies, sort of, okay. Yeah. Okay, so they target Ellsberg psychiatrists? Yeah, so one of the things they do is they say, how do we get this guy? Uh-huh. Let's go to his psychiatrist. And and from the Nixon point of view, Ellsberg is a hippie and like okay. a druggie. You yeah. know what I mean? How they yeah. maybe smoked a joint once, so yeah. he's a druggie. So they go to his psychiatrist. So literally, Liddy, Hunt... Some of the plumbers who are, like, uh, they bring in some Cubans through Miami. Okay. Who had worked with the Bay of Pigs, who were sort of the guys on the ground. Yeah. They literally stake out the psychiatrist's house, then his office. There's a whole story of how they get dressed up as, like, repairmen and shit. Yeah, yeah. Stake it out. They go in on Labor Day, I think, and when, you know, there's a holiday. Sure. Break in to the psychiatrist's office and take pictures of Ellsberg's file. Oh. This is This is so illegal and so foul. Ellsberg is a private citizen. Yeah. The psychiatrist is a private citizen. Right. You're breaking so many laws at once, mm-hmm. you, you know. See, I thought they were shaking the psychiatrist down when you... First, when I first read that, I was like, they the didn't want to get caught. No, no, they yeah, just, yeah. this is a this is a secret break-in. Sure, yeah, and it works. Yeah, it, it it's successful to the gr- degree they don't get caught, but they don't really find anything useful. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so next I have a little bit of stuff about just regarding the break-in. I suppose um, something that I that you wrote down that I took a note of was that I found interesting was. There was a call to celebrities for the Nixon party, like John Wayne and Zaza Gabor, um, and somebody flipped out. Oh, yeah. I, well, I think that's funny that... Well, that's when the Watergate thing happened. Okay. So, so the next thing that happens is they decide to target um, the Watergate Hotel, the Democratic National Committee um, Headquarters there. Okay. Larry O'Brien, the chairman, okay? Yeah, okay, yeah, that, that's true. Okay. And they they break in once and they don't get anything, so they break in a second time. Mm-hmm. The, the bit with this celebrity party for celebrities, I think, is funny is when we get to how they get caught. Yeah. Jeb Magruder is at this party where, you know, Black Tie and all the John Wayne and John Jagabor is there. Yeah, yeah. And he gets a call. Jeb Magruder is is part of the Nixon re-election campaign. He's just sort of a semi-straight-laced guy. Okay. He gets a call from Gordon Liddy, find a secure phone. Yeah. And Magruder says, what does that mean? And he says, we got a big problem. And you just picture that this guy, it, it sounds like a movie. That yeah, like he's yeah. dressed up in a tuxedo, he's yeah. probably got a... Wine and dining. You know, he's got a uh, little hot dog in his hand. <laughs> yeah. Liddy's saying, no, no, find a secure, you can go to this base, we got a big problem. Yeah. Okay. What's the problem? That That's what we'll get to now. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see here. Yeah, they cut, okay, so, yeah, John Dean. We're talking, like, we're going to John Dean a little bit, it says... Uh, charge of, he's in charge of the illegalities. He's the counselor, like you mentioned, and he uh, shows. And here he is, kind of like making sure that these illegalities don't get shown. 
Yeah. Like, like John John Dean, the counsel to the president is the guy, is the lawyer who who says, is this legal? Should we be doing this? Uh-huh. So like, if you own a business, if you own like. You know, you have a lawyer that says, "Well, you can't really do this. You need a permit to do this." Yeah. You know, if you or if you own, <clears throat> let's say, for the Keystone Statement, if yeah. you have a lawyer, like you're getting ready to print something, the lawyer says, "No, nah, maybe you should take that out." Right. You right. Know? Mm-hmm. John Dean, that's supposed to be his job. It turns out his job is to do all this illegal <laughs> right. shit yeah. and to now hide it. <laughs> so John Dean is a key guy in this thing. Yeah. Because. He starts to realize, holy shit, I'm now incriminating myself in a lot of ways. Yeah. And he gets a little bit of a conscious, he gets a little bit scared. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so they cut ties with the plumbers. Well, well, let's let's get to... What did I skip here? The breaking itself. Okay, the, well, I do have that. So we have... That's a big headline. Um, 72, Nixon's going to be running for re-election. He ends up winning in a landslide. And people ask now, why did he break into the Watergate? But we'll see already that this shit had a life of its own. Mm-hmm. So, so like sometimes people say, well, if he was going to win that much, why did he need to do all this shit? He just needed to do it because as we've seen, he was paranoid. He saw enemies everywhere. He'd set up this spy apparatus, this cancer that had already grown and was out of control. Yeah. So... Also, he wanted information on his enemies, but I think he also wanted to see what they had on him. You okay. Know? Yeah, yeah. Because he knew the Pentagon papers were out. He wanted to see, well, what else did they have? What else? Maybe, like, he could blackmail Ellsberg. Maybe he could blackmail Larry O'Brien. There's even, um, there's a book that came out called Secret Coup, which was completely, a lot of it's fallacious. Okay. Um, but it claimed that John Dean's wife was connected to a like a call girl, high level, um, um, like escort service? escort service. Yeah. And they wanted information about that, which who knows if that's true or not. Secret coup is bullshit because they try to blame Dean for a lot of shit. They also mischaracterized Deep Throat. Mm-hmm. You know, from Woodward and Bernstein, they claimed that he was Alexander Haig. Right. He's not. It yeah. was. It was. Uh, Frank was Mark it felt. Yeah. Mark felt. That's a. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, but again, like we don't really totally know what exactly they were looking for. But it, it's just they it had a life of its own. Yeah. So let's talk about that break in. Yes. You picture they're in a Howard Johnson's across the street. They've got spy <laughs> shit everywhere. These guys are in their element. There's probably Chinese food boxes everywhere. Yeah. They got walkie talkies. The plumbers are in there. Yeah. And what happens is, as they break in, they put little tape on the doors so they can get back out. I mean, they're literally picking locks. Yeah, like yeah. Like I'd sit in there, this would be a great video game. Right. They're doing splinter cells. Shit. Yeah. You yeah. know, they've got all their little spy cameras of the 70s. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd have, if you were going to make a video game, you'd have it to... It would have to be like the real low, huge low kind of... Yeah, 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 you yeah. couldn't have new shit, but no. 70s shit. It would be a cool game. Oh, yeah. A Watergate video game. Mm-hmm. But... What happens is uh, a security guard overnight, just doing his rounds, happens to see tape on one of the latches. He mm-hmm. says, oh, this is weird. And in the second round, he sees it again, and he knows there's a break-in. Whoa. So he calls the cops. And the cops come, like, 
the, the cops end up arresting these guys, and they can see it across the street. Yeah. They go, they go on the walkie-talkie, are you guys dressed as cops? You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. And they go, uh, no. <laughs> well, we got a fucking problem then. Yeah. Because we got cops in the building with flashlights, and you guys better get the fuck out of there. And they, they get caught. Yeah. They found money, and they found references to Howard Hunt, H.H. Okay, yeah, you know, yeah. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. Watergate becomes, this is, I guess, what, June 20th, 73, I think, something like that. Okay. And so you think about it, this becomes now the papers. This is a press thing. This is a big thing. Is it a, you know, it's a big thing to say a break-in to a hotel to the Democratic Committee. yeah. And now it becomes also an FBI issue mm-hmm. where they don't know about any of this shit. Yeah, yeah. They're just saying, wait a minute, what's going on here? I mean, there's people independently that now are going to start to investigate this. Sure, yeah. And who knows? Is it the, the CIA might get involved because they might say, is this what the, the Russians did this? Who is it? Yeah, what the hell's You've going on? These, yeah, plus the press now is, sees this. They start working. We enter Woodward and Bernstein with the Washington Post. Yeah. So now you also have to picture Nixon bunkered down in his office. Everything's being recorded. Mm-hmm. He's got his two key aides, Bob Haldeman and John Ehrlichman. Okay. You now have to say, okay, how do we contain this? They say the next day, our guys got caught. Yeah. Their big thing is we got to keep them silent and we got to protect the president. Mm-hmm. So how do we do that? We've got to cover it up. Yeah. Meaning we got to make sure if all our ties are cut, plus we got to make sure they're paid. Yeah. That becomes a big problem. That becomes also John Dean's problem because as counsel to the president, he's supposed to be a legal guy. They he's say gotta do you got to get money, and like, he, he, like he would literally have meetings with the president and say, expecting you know the president to say. You know, yeah, let's stop this shit. Because he'll say, Dean would say, um, look, these guys are asking for a lot of money. They need a half a million dollars. Yeah. And Nixon would say, no problem. Well, I can get millions. Yeah. That's not a problem. And Dean is sitting there like, oh, what the <laughs> fuck? And you say, okay. And there's literally, like, it goes into how they would do that. Like, Howard Hunt's wife would go to an airport and money would get put in a locker in a bag oh yeah and yeah. she would go pick it up shit like that but so you have a lot of forces now just all working against each other but maybe also working together right but Watergate the fact that they got caught that night changes everything for it's got a lot of changes history government operations eyebrows raised that little tape on the latch of the door yeah on the lock changes history now that's fucking crazy so, now, where are we going here? Let's see. All right, so you, you covered Bob Woodward and Cal Bernstein. Well, yeah, you, well, let's, we'll just talk real fast. Is they get assigned to the story by the Washington Post. Sure. And they start digging, and, uh, you know, both of them are known. I mean, they're, they're great, they're... Um, Thorough journalists. Yeah, I mean, like, they're, they're well renowned. Yeah, they'll be in history forever. Yeah, as, like, yeah, we weren't being at Bernstein, like the definition yeah. of investigative journalism. Yeah, and they start printing these stories. They get their um, deep throat gets a source. Uh huh. Now we can go into where did that come from? Yeah, yeah. 
So I think the the head of the FBI at that point after Hoover was a guy called Patrick Gray. Okay. Who was sort of working with Nixon to some degree. Mm-hmm. And I think people within the FBI didn't like that because, again, these aren't just like monolithic organizations. There's right. people that are all, you know, that are really trying to do good in there. Right, right. Yeah. And I think the guy, the, the um, guy who was Deep Throat, I think had a problem with the fact that Patrick Gray was sort of playing political and leaking information to Nixon and helping to cover this up rather than find the truth. Find what's going so on. So he started yeah. leaking information to Woodward and Bernstein. Yeah. And Nixon got real pissed at that. And it becomes something he can't control because he didn't know who Deep Throat was. Right, right. He didn't know where this shit was coming from. Yeah. Plus, his spy apparatus has been dismantled. They're all on trial now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And this, uh, those are the plumbers, correct? That's mm-hmm. the... Uh, the uh, Liddy and uh, yeah, yeah, all them. Okay, yeah. okay. So, um, and apparently with that too, they're paying them like you were saying the money, and it kept growing. Like it mm-hmm. started off at four hundred and fifty thousand, mm-hmm. and it just kept getting bigger and bigger. Well, right? You know, when you start paying on somebody you right. know from the street, that doesn't stop. No, it, you got to stop that right going. away. You, right, you start you start handing somebody an envelope. What do you think that's going to stop? It's they're not going to be back going. next week. Right, right. That's their, that's their source, man. Okay, so you want to explain to uh, Dorothy Hunt's plane crashes? Well, that's an interesting conspiracy. Because, yeah. So Hunt, they're all on trial. There's another guy that we'll get to called James McCord. He's one of the guys who was in Watergate, mm-hmm. in the hotel that got caught. Okay, got that name sounds And he was actually, I think, the guy who put the tape on the locks. Oh, yeah. He kind of got blamed for that. Yeah. Um, but so Hunt is on trial and he's thinking, now, should I talk? Should I make a deal? Am I going to get protected? He's thinking, I got a kid in college, shit like that. Yeah, yeah. His wife is also very vigilant about that. Mm-hmm. And his wife becomes, like in Goodfellas. Right. Like the wife that yeah. says, like, look, you know, Henry, Henry. She starts, know, yeah, yeah. We needed that, Henry. Mm-hmm. That kind of shit. That's what they're, where they're at, I think, domestically at that point. Yeah. The craziest thing is Howard Hunt's wife dies in a plane crash. Um, we're talking about conspiracy. I don't know how that would work, and I'm not claiming anything. Yeah. That's pretty suspicious. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and maybe he said there was money found on the plane, too. She had money on her. Yeah. But yeah. You, and you think about what that does to Howard Hunt in yeah. his mind. Like, holy shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, it's a pretty significant little piece in this that, who knows? I mean, I don't think, you want to really break that down, how could, how could they, how could they organize a plane, plane crash? crash? yeah, yeah. But it's a weird little coincidence um, it, that happens in 73, and that further really, I mean, from a human level, Howard Hunt is devastated. Yeah, know? yeah. He's been caught. He's getting ready to go to jail, and his wife, I, who is handling the payoffs, yeah. secret illegal payoffs, and has been, you know, fighting on his side, gets killed in a plane crash. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, in a weird way, that solves some of the Nixon problems. It's like getting oh, a little, okay. little dicey. Yeah. A little yeah. dicey. Um, now, with Deep Throat going on, Woodward and Bernstein, 
Nixon started fighting back more so against the media. Did he did he have influence on some of the media? Do you think he had flexed his uh, political muscles? Yeah, to yeah. Kind of sway some of the media from getting too involved or too blown up in this whole ordeal, or yeah, because yeah. well, one of the things he went after the post, um, the corporate ownership went after like FCC licenses and shit. Uh-huh. But also, you have to think that all this shit that's been going on has an effect. So now, if you on the Keystone statement hear about this, all this shit, you're gonna be like, wait a minute, I don't want to tap on my phone. Right. No way. So I might take a pass on this Watergate I mean, thing. Yeah. That's a hot story. Like. That's why, I mean, Woodward and Bernstein were pretty courageous. Yeah, that they were willing to maybe go through some of that bullshit. And there was no real reason at first to follow the story. Yeah. Because you think about, at the time, this wasn't Watergate yet. Yeah. This was a little break-in. They had no... The fact that they dug in and followed... Okay, yeah. Not everybody was. This wasn't, like, right away, like... Oh, Nixon and Huge Watergate. controversy. No, no, no. It yeah. was it simmered, you know? Yeah. In Within the White House, it's huge. Mm-hmm. But we don't know about that. The public doesn't know about right. that. Right. That's interesting to keep in perspective, too. Yeah. 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 And, and other reporters were scared, justifiably. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And maybe even behind the scenes were blackmailed. Maybe, like, they'd go to somebody and say, look, we got this information. You've been cheating on your wife. Shut your goddamn mouth. Uh, maybe think of twice. Why don't yeah. you just say Vietnam's going... Just fine. Right. And they're like, uh, headline, <laughs> Vietnam, you know? Yeah. Going with you know, a picture of smiling kids <laughs> and going holding terrific. Investigation with the committee, they start diving into it. John Dean realizes he's getting real deep into things and is not used to this kind of situation right. and all this kind of controversial responsibility that you know is against what his usual job duties right. require him of. Uh, so then he gets in. A, there's a conversation in the White House that says uh, modified limited hangout. Oh yeah, I just think that's funny because. The White House now has to sort of say, how much do we admit? Because this information is growing. Yeah. Meanwhile, they're, they're setting up a committee, official Senate committee to investigate this shit. Sam Irvin and Sam Dash, and this shit becomes nationally televised. It was like the OJ trial. Yeah, like, yeah. This becomes people, this is their what the world is watching. The nation is watching this committee every day. Yeah. As this committee's starting up, Nixon and Ehrlichman and Haldeman, the boys in the bunker in the White House, are saying, how much should we admit? And it's funny that they say, well, let's have a little bit of a hangout. Yeah. You know, let's admit this. And Ehrlichman says, well, how about a modified limited hangout? You know, which is <laughs> yeah. like, they're, they're saying, like, how much should we bullshit here? Right, right. You know, and, and it becomes, they're just trying to contain it. It's whack-a-mole. Right, you know I mean? and that's they're like trying, a bullshitted phrase in itself, a modified limited it hangout. Is, yeah. it is. I just think that's funny. That it's is a pretty, funny phrase. I think <laughs> they thought it was funny, too. Yeah, yeah. So they start cutting ties with people, right? Uh, Magruder? And John Mitchell, like yeah, so like now they've got to find people to take the blame for this. Should Watergate continue to expand this controversy, Nixon, number one, most important, does not want to 
be connected. Right. Even though he was, yeah. obviously. Mm-hmm. So he's got to now point, cut ties and have people take the blame. Some people are willing to fall on the sword, some people not so much. Right. Magruder, John Mitchell, who, as we said, like you picture John Mitchell had been the guy who had seen the crazy plans of the whores on the boat right, and said, what right. the fuck is oh, this? Get the shit. fuck out of my office. Yeah, yeah. But now they go to Mitchell and say, basically, uh, look, you're going to have to take the blame for this. And John Mitchell's wife, famously, Martha Mitchell, was a drunk who was a little bit like uh, Dorothy Hunt. Who was okay. Like, don't, yeah. let them, don't take that yeah, shit from them. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. like there was probably domestic <laughs> shit at Heads home. Button. And he also, from a personal thing, John Mitchell is an old friend and crony of Richard Nixon. Okay. And Nixon's basically got to say, look, you're going to have to take the blame. Yeah, these ones is solid here. This is these people's careers. So this guy's built a career, like like him or not. I don't like him. Yeah. But, I mean, he built his whole career and he's now got to go down in flames. Mm -hmm. What about anybody that has your job? You spent, this guy's in his 60s. You spent your whole job, and now somebody else stole something from your job. Yeah, yeah. And they go to you and say, look, we're going to have to have you take the blame for that. Now, what did, how did Mitchell handle this? What did he, did he, he was he like, all right, doing he ended it. up doing yeah, it. Yeah, but yep. he was not happy with yeah, it. Yeah, I bet not. And it also creates more disloyalty. I mean, yeah. everybody in Watergate wrote a book about if it. If Nixon's able to turn on an old friend like that... Well, what's that mean about me? What's that mean yeah, about you? Yeah, you've got to think he's starting to lose support. Right. And now you have other Republicans seeing all this shit. They're saying, wait a minute, I'm running for election here. Yeah. Uh, I don't want all this shit. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Nixon starts to become a little bit of a uh, liability. Right. A little bit of a yeah, virus going on. Okay. So, then, so John Dean, he... Mentions that quote you were talking about. There's a cancer on the presidency. Yeah, like, so they, they go to Dean and say, you've got to write a report. They send him to Camp David. Look, have a nice vacation for the weekend. Write a report of how we're going to fix this shit. Mm-hmm. And it becomes, like, again, if you want to look at this as a Shakespeare narrative, it becomes a, a moment of Christ personal crisis. Like, yeah. do I do this? Do I, you know, find some... Morality in myself to not do this. Yeah, and he goes to Nixon's office and famously says, "Sir, I uh, this is a problem. There's a cancer on the presidency." Yeah, you know, and uh, I don't know that I can cover this up, and I don't know that I can fucking continue to incriminate myself. Right. And now, within a, we go back to Nixon's inner circle, they go, "Uh oh, Dean might be off." Reservation. Yeah. yeah. So Dean. So now they say, let's pin this shit on Dean. Okay. So There's they're gonna make him the scapegoat. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. What you're saying. So. Okay. So on in November of 1973, the plumbers get sentenced. Mm-hmm. And then McCord rats. Yeah. So McCord, the guy, he admits a lot of this shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other guys don't. But that becomes a key thing. And all these guys are brought in for testimony, and he admits all this shit that's been going on. Yeah, yeah. So they're gathering all this information, and the court becomes like almost, you know, like a state's witness. Sure. Okay. Okay. Um, then the rest I have on here, on your notes you gave me. Do you realize he's being scapegoat? His closet aides resign. So Hattleman and, is that 
What's the other guy? Ehrlichman. Ehrlichman, yeah, resign. So these guys that are this inner circle, Nixon's inner circle, like you think just two years before, he had all these, this team, he had spy people, he had wiretapping. Yeah. You're seeing it chip away. Yeah. Either people resigning, or jumping off resign. the boat. Yeah, jumping yeah. off or being more likely being pushed off, off yeah. sword on Locked off the plank. You know, and that's, you know, we think about Nixon personally. Now he's got to go to his closest aides and say, you guys are going to have to resign on this one. And yeah. I think Ehrlichman was more pissed than Haldeman, but they're both, I mean, they both wrote books about it. Yeah, um, yeah. And that was, and you think from the public now, all these people are resigning, you know? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. If, if, if he's not guilty, why is everybody why resigning? Is everybody, yeah, like, yeah, what's going on here? Yeah, and you're saying, like, too, he was, like, cornered. Nixon, you know, but uh, was jail a possibility for him? That has to come in. Note also that Spiro Agnew, his vice president, resigned. Resigned too, yeah. yeah that's true with too. a separate yeah. bribery thing. Yeah. So this, the Nixon White House was so dirty that this didn't even have anything to do with Watergate. Yeah. Um, plus there's like the, the, that oil crisis and gas crisis. People are, you know, that, that like people waiting online for gas. Oh, and I think all I that shit. That. There was that kind of shit going on. 73, the Nixon. Uh, White House is collapsing. Yeah, you lose your vice president. You lose all your close guys. Yeah, uh, shit is falling down. That you know? is wild. Yeah. So in in July thirteenth, nineteen seventy three, it's revealed that Nixon has a tape recorder in the White House. And investigation focuses on releasing tapes. Nixon was worried, plus illegally taping visitors, etc. Like another crime could possibly in the works of him. Right. Yeah. So like. It becomes that becomes a major thing. A, a guy called Alexander Butterfield uh-huh. was in charge of operating the tape. Somebody's got to. Yeah. If, if Nixon installed, he installed the tape supposedly for history. He wanted to write his memoirs. You know, a classic ironic <laughs> mistake. Yeah. Of a villain. Yeah. Um, and it becomes in the testimony that becomes a huge thing that he. They're looking for information. They don't know how they're going to get it. And Butterfield comes out, well, it just so happens we've taped every single conversation that's ever happened in the White House. Well, and and the committee goes, you what? You have what? Okay, we like that. That's lovely. And not only that, now it becomes, wait a minute, not only do we, are we going to get this information, but who knows, heads of state that visit... What, are you legally taping them? Yeah. They they're not aware? Taped. They're not aware of that. Somebody yeah. from, you know, wherever. Sweden comes to visit the president. He's being taped. Yeah. Plus, of course, the Nixon tapes that have later come out, you realize what a scumbag he was talking of, you know, anti-Semitism. Yeah, and yeah. Shit. Holy and shit. Coarse language and... All that kind I mean? of stuff. Which I, I can, I, I'm, I'm all good with coarse language, but... But the whole no, I'm not anti-Semitism. anti-Semitism. No, that's no, no. good. Um, and and he, he revealed himself to be a piece of shit. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Uh, you know, the, the gays and the hippies. And the, he was talking all that shit. You can go and listen. You know, wow. And look at the transcripts. Yeah. Um, and so now it's got to work in Nixon's head. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, now that there's a reveal that the tapes are out. Holy shit. All this... I've said, yeah. You know, and, oh and boy, he's losing. He's the, the corner is the walls are closing in. That now. is very much like a super villain, like yeah. flaw. 
It's yes. like you're kind of explaining. <laughs> you're so egotistical that you want, you know, everything, or you're paranoid for that matter too. That you, you want, want your shit taped for prosperity. Shit, yeah. Guess what? It is taped. It's, for you got it on there, man. Yeah. That's how it happens. <laughs> you compare Nixon to like Tony Montana at the end of Scarface, bunkered down. As the ninjas are closing in. Oh, absolutely. Like yeah. with the big pile of coke on the table. Yeah, yeah. And he's <laughs> exactly like the end of Scar. And like when he starts cutting ties too, when, when, he, when he hangs up on Sosa, you know. Yeah. You want to go to war? We go to war, you know. And just making big mistakes like that. Yeah. And totally alarmed. And of course, Tony Montana shoots uh, Manolo, his friend. Right, right. Manny. Yeah, he shoots Manny. Yeah, it's just he's all alone. Shit's all there. That's how Nixon is, man. At the end, and what does Nixon do? He gets a big fucking gun. Yeah, and says, and and what what is literally the gun is when Archibald Cox uh, demands the, the tapes, demands yeah. the tapes, and Nixon says, "Guess what? You're fired." <laughs> yeah, that's that becomes the Saturday Night Massacre. Yeah, it's known as that is Nixon's little friend gun. Right, and he's shooting, and where it's just like, holy shit, this guy is out of control. Now, how? Wait, so, kind of make this clear for me. Archibald Cox, he's a special prosecutor of this whole case. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so and Nixon fires him. How does that? Literally fires him. Yeah, because he's the president. Yeah, so he, he fires, fires this guy, even though he's <laughs> you really can't. Just you can't. Him. You can't do that. Yeah, but he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. So, and so Nixon finally first releases the transcripts, but they're severely edited. Well, now, in, within the Nixon White House, there's a book called... <clears throat> Woodward and Bernstein wrote two famous books. Mm-hmm. One of them's called All the President's Men, which was about the investigation. Sure, yeah. It became the movie. Yep. But that's where we get all that deep throat stuff, because it's about... But the other book they wrote called The Final Days is really interesting because it goes through what was going on in the Nixon White House. Mm-hmm. I think Alexander Haig was um, a big source for that. He was um, military representative, the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Sure. Uh, who also sort of had a connection to Bob Woodward. So he might have been a big source for that. Oh, okay. But in that book we get a real look inside the White House how they're dealing with this. So they say... How are we going to deal with this tapes thing? Nixon says, well, we'll just release transcripts. Yeah. They'll be happy with that. Go through and clean it up. Mm-hmm. And it becomes a thing where literally the, the White House publishes transcripts. So it becomes in, in bookstores yeah. like over the weekend now. Yeah. The Nixon tapes, you want to read them? And they're all edited. Yeah. And so it's another like move, like Tony Montana with a gun. That's totally stupid. Yeah. That backfires. Because people say, no, 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 this is bullshit. We want the tapes. Yeah. Hook us up, man. You got them. Yeah. You got them. Um, yeah, which of course backfires. Um, when the tapes are finally delivered on one of them, June 20th, 1972, has an eight and a half minute gap. 18, yeah, 18, yeah, 18 and, and, and a half minute gap of a key section that's been erased. So yeah. again, it's like. Finally, he says, okay, the transcripts didn't work. <laughs> All right, I'll give you the tape. Here's the tape. Here you go. Here's everything. Here's why I'm totally innocent. <laughs> no problem. This will all be behind me. And, like, right when <laughs> they, the part they want to hear is, it's, oh, it, this got accidentally erased. Oh, man. Now, people have gone through, like, how did that happen? <laughs> Apparently, his secretary, Rosemary Woods, uh-huh. literally pressed... The erase button on that tape. Jeez. 
You know, it was it was it was shenanigans, man. He was did not go down. That's that's you don't get the name Tricky Dick for nothing, man. No. So the impeachment trial happens. The smoking guns, the June twenty third, nineteen seventy two tape, proving that Richard Nixon knew all about Watergate and proved that he'd been lying all along. Yeah. So then then finally Nixon decides. To, to he, I think he didn't even want to listen to some of these tapes. Yeah. But I think he sends one of the one of his like personal lawyers. I think his name is Jaworski, Leon Jaworski. Uh huh. And says, "Go listen to some of this shit and see where we're at." Yeah. And he hears that tape and he says, "You're fucked." Yeah. Because there's literally him in the office talking with Haldeman and Ehrlichman. How do we cover this up? You know. Yeah. Which yeah. is totally incriminating. And that's it. He's done. He's cooked. Yeah. You know, and and that becomes the most famous tape of all. Does he finally just say, all right, like, I'm just giving it out? Does he just kind of... Finally, I think he's just run out of options. Yeah, so this is it. So by 74, I think it's August 74, um, as after they've voted for impeachment now, Yeah. he finally resigns. But his most important thing is now, like we said before, he doesn't want to go to jail. Right. Well, everybody's gone to jail. Not just the plumbers, John Dean, Ehrlich. John Dean went to jail. All the oh, he, right, John yeah. Dean spent, I think, four months in jail. He was sentenced for longer than that. All these guys fucking went to prison over yeah. this. This is illegal shit, man. This is not like a political slap on the wrist. No. So, Nixon, there was a real possibility we were going to have a president in jail over this. <laughs> So his, at finally when he gives up, his most important thing is, I got to make sure I'm pardoned for this. Right. So it becomes, towards the end there, it becomes a transfer of power, making sure he's going to... He's like, all right, you know, I'm going to come clean on it, well, somewhat clean on this, as long as I get a little pardon. Yeah, yeah. Joe Ford, like you said, grants him that. So, Wow. That's quite the story. <laughs> and and then we have his final address. Yeah, where, where it's to we're going to have a link staff. on that. Yeah, we'll have a link. I think he was drunk, but he was in tears and addressing the White House staff. And it was a sort of a private thing that was still televised. Yeah. But it was like the final soliloquy of the villain. Mm-hmm. And it's a great speech. I like the speech. Yeah. Because it says, others may hate you. <laughs> they don't win unless you hate yourself, and then you destroy yourself. You know, he says hate three times in yeah. like one sentence, which and says a lot. Mentioned too that he passed the buck. Still, still passes the buck. I'm. It may have been claimed I did wrong. You know, like yeah, that kind of yeah. shit. But I still believe in this country. You know, he still didn't admit. Yeah. But it, it, you get a glimpse of the real Nixon because you would say like. He, he, it was a bit where he says, you know, my mother was poor. There won't ever be books written about my mother, but she and came from... Still, a, that's know, his checkers a, in that he, one. Yeah, but yeah. I you know what I think a little bit you get a glimpse of the man, like how Shakespeare would do it. Yeah. It's at the end of show some humanity, however bad, but right. show some real humanity. And you go watch that speech, you see the humanity of Richard Nixon. Not in a good way, but just in a way of not the TV guy. Right, right. Know? Mm-hmm. That people are familiar with. All right. Wow, that's a fucking crazy story. I, like, really knew just basic, bare-bones stuff before this. (laughs) I just... It says. It's like a spy story. 
Yeah, it is. You know? It is. And it, so, it, and one of the reasons we know so much about it is that it broke. So maybe this shit was going on all over the place. Yeah. And still goes on, of course. It oh, still I'm does. sure. Well, today, I mean, in a kind of weird, odd way, it kind of makes you feel like, all right, well, this shit's happened before. Whatever's happening with this administration currently going on, I don't fucking know. But <laughs> at least maybe we'll. There's a light at this end of the tunnel too. There has to be. You know what I mean? That's why I'm not that worried. I mean, yeah, like if stuff like this went on, like and you, we got, you know, Trump up there. Whatever is going to happen happens. Exactly, and and it's going to destroy itself. Yeah, because Trump is the same way. It'll all implode. He's He's insecure. He's got all this different stuff going on. Like it kind of lines up in a way. It does, and he sees enemies everywhere. Right, apparently. and it's like most important to him not to like do good work or even do bad <laughs> right. work. It's his most important is what did they write about me? Go find out about what TMZ <laughs> right. wrote about me. Go I don't find care that guy. if I won the election. Yeah. I want to get details that the votes weren't accurate in my favor. Right. Yeah. 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 That's <laughs> what's like, most important. Right. And and also now pitting his staff against each other and mm-hmm. people are going to be you're going to see people start resigning. Oh yeah. Have oh that. yeah, like that Bannon guy's already got downgraded. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're going to see that that all this shit start to destroy itself yeah. just like Nixon. Yeah. And yeah, it, that's why you can't be too worried about it. You just got to let it fly. Yeah, it sucks. It's weird. Yeah. You don't want that dude in the office probably, but it's what we were stuck with. So, at the moment in time, let's just fucking ride it out and not worry about it. Yeah, so I feel. I, I mean, I feel like let the chips fall. Man. Right, as and long as I can just yeah. give me a notebook to write about it. You right, know what I mean, give yeah. me a guitar. That's all. I'm Wonder what his checker speech will be. Uh, Did he have it already? Don't take my mansion and my. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you can take everything. Dude, no, it'll be Twitter. Out. That's what it'll be. Yeah, yeah don't, don't take, take my, my Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, don't take my Twitter. They said that to him. They said, "Look, you, we're going to take away your Twitter if you don't." <laughs> there, there was literally a scandal with that. Yeah, right? no, I remember. They said, "We're going to take away your phone if, <laughs> unless you, you know, you got to be a little chill out on yeah. this Twitter shit." Yeah, settle down there, Donnie. Yeah. No, still not. Well, okay. Before we close out, do you want to give any reading references or things to watch for people? That yeah, would be I mean, beneficial to, if they want to learn more about this. Definitely. One of my favorites is um, a book called Nightmare. Okay. It's a really good book. Um, it's by Anthony Lucas. Anthony Lucas, okay. Um, but key are All the President's Men and Final Days by Woodward and Bernstein. Okay. John Dean's Blind Ambition is good. Um, Gordon Liddy Will, who's just uh, because he's such a fucking screwball, yeah, and yeah. It's, it's a little bit tangentially related, but you know, um, and it depends on like what there's books about everything about this. Sure. But I like um, I like that Lucas book because it goes specifically if you want to know really all the key how the break-in happened uh-huh. and the specifics. Um, that's a really good book to read. It's like reading a, a spy book. Okay, Nightmare. That Nightmare. Yeah, okay. Nightmare. Um, Watching wise, what anything? Um, I think there's been like some BBC documentaries, um, History Channel stuff. I mean, there's definitely documentaries. Yeah. About it, I I love the book. I, the reason why I always recommend the books is you're getting firsthand. Yeah. Paul wrote a book. Ehrlichman wrote a book, and 
yes, they're probably whitewashing it a little bit, but when you write a book, you get it, you know, in advance, you've got to bring the details. You better, yeah. you want to make money, yeah, you, you know what I mean? So there the are details, there yeah. are goods in these yeah. books. It's interesting. You and know? if you read those, you get different accounts from different perspectives. Yeah, yeah. When you kind of make your own decision as to what's accurate and what what holds up and what doesn't. And I'd recommend those just as firsthand rather than some narrator that's... That's talking about, you know, yeah. third party. Yeah, go in, go deep into this, man. Yeah. And really, because it's interesting, you know. Yeah, it's really fascinating. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking funny and scary. <laughs> it's yeah. all, everything it's all in one. Murders and intrigue yeah. and uh, deception. Yeah, all that stuff. That is like it's like a Scorsese film. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. It, or it's like Shakespeare. Or it's like or like the end of Godfather Two when Michael's alone. Yeah. After he kills Fredo. Yeah. You know he's just at alone like what the fuck. Yeah. You know? well, there we go. I don't got checkers. Yeah. I don't got fucking John Mitchell. I got nobody. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. He's literally like when he. When he hugs Fred, when he hugs him and he <laughs> yeah. makes the gun yeah. behind his back to uh, Neri, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it is like, it is, it's very much that kind of big, heavy, dramatic narrative. Yeah. You know? yeah. And you end with Nixon on his own, and then Nixon becomes now, afterward, he's got to like clean up his reputation. He yeah. Books and still was a quote-unquote statesman. Right. And the other guy we have to mention is the biggest scumbag of all. It's Henry Kissinger. Oh. A complete piece of shit who was operating a spy organization of his own and had leaks. But meanwhile, he's orchestrating the Vietnam War. Yeah. And Christopher Hitchens, who's one of my great heroes, wrote a book that said Kissinger should have gone to Hague for the war crimes yeah. of... Not only Vietnam, but the shit that went on in the 70s yeah. under his watch. Where he said, look, you know, not even from just a pacifism, like, oh, all war is bad, but from a real politic thing, this shit was out of hand. This is why we have a Hague. Yeah. This is why, as a global, we have NATO. We have a world that watches out for people like Saddam Hussein or, you know, these Kissinger's on that list. Yeah. And he should have fucking gone to The Hague and gone and, like, The Hague is like a superhero villain right. Superman thing. That's what it is. It's the like anti Fortress of Solitude. It is, like, whatever that shit they have in comic books that, right. that uh, try big villains, that's what The Hague is. Yeah. He's saying that's where Kissinger should have gone. Because <laughs> yeah. he's up there making speeches and making money off the fact that he was orchestrating this. this Horrible war and death and destruction that was going on. You Real know? POS. Real yeah, POS. Yeah. Damn so it. everybody was a piece of shit, maybe except for Ellsberg. Yeah. Who, who I, I respect. You know, he was a good guy. He would. Who would? Well, I'm sure he's been played in the movie more more often than not. I don't know because I don't think he's gotten a lot of. Uh, he's he's sort of known in the story as like a, the victim who you know with his psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah. And shit. Say, okay. But I think he should be remembered as a hero yeah. for what he did and became an anti-war. What's your assessment on John Dean? At the end yeah, of the and day? John. Well, see, John Dean is an interesting guy because he's sort of a hero that you know he he was a big witness, but. His hands were not told. No, he was, yeah, thing. yeah. And people within the, um, and so when you go and read these different books, people claim that he was dirtier than he really claimed. Oh, that he that, was going along with a lot of this shit. Yeah. He was orchestrating, and he was. I mean, he was saying, okay, the first, as the payoffs are coming in, he's saying, okay, 
I'll handle this, I'll do that. Yeah. He was wheeling and dealing, and once it got too hot, and then he, was and he realized out. I might get in trouble from this, yeah. then he had a moral conscience. Right, right. So John Dean is not totally innocent. Right. You know, I mean, he's, he's not a... He's like the mob guy that when the shit, you know, it's nice when you're able to go to the Copa and have yeah. some broad on your arm and everything, the money's coming in. But if things start... But when things close in, yeah, you know what I mean? John Dean, if, if Jimmy Conway had seen John Dean, he would have gotten taken in right. an alley and gotten two in the head. You would have yeah. found him in the meat truck. Hey. Definitely, right. as, as Layla's playing. Right, right. The, the, the wife, when, uh, <laughs> when he says... Yeah, there's some free coats. Go right in there. Right over there. Right <laughs> over there. John Dean and his wife probably would have gotten some free coats. <laughs> right. Quote, unquote. So be it. So anything you want to plug? Shempen.com. Drop the mic haiku. You're doing some Van Halen Shakespeare going right on right now. Right now, we've got Van Halen, the story of Van Halen, written as a Shakespeare play. Um, and we've got the rap album coming up, uh, fresh in Shempen. Pounding away at new tracks. Uh, all right, all right. Be June, but that's it. Yeah, all right. And if you like what you're hearing, uh, here comes everybody's under the umbrella of the Keystone Statement, which is a Pittsburgh sports entertainment and lifestyle blog. Uh, we have a few writers uh, going to it, and uh, it's me, my brother, and a whole bunch of other people that partake in it from time to time. Shem the Pet included. And, yeah, uh, yeah, we got to get the Led Zeppelin like thing going on. You just had the article of uh, Stephen King. Stephen uh, King, yeah, Marcus, my brother wrote that, that one. Was, that was really good. The, uh, yeah, the breakdown. That needed Stephen King novels that needed, needed a sequel. Sequel. So yeah. yeah, so look out for that. We're, we try to mix it up a lot. Um, here comes everybody. This is a podcast that we cover kind of timeless topics, and we want to. And we're going to get some interviews going here on there too. Oh yeah. So we got those lined up. Uh, make those come to fruition. You gotta look for some T-shirts that we're gonna be making, um, and uh, we also have another podcast called the Keystone Cast, where it's we kind of talk about current events, sports. It's me, my brother, and a high school buddy. Uh, so if you like hearing that, subscribe to us on iTunes, review us on iTunes. Uh, we want to get uh, a lot more traffic going in regards to that. If you're interested in maybe sending an email or asking a question, you can do that too at thekeystonestatement at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter at KeystoneSTMT. Like our Facebook page. That's where you'll see a lot of our stuff going on. Uh, Keystone Statement, just look for it on Facebook. It should pop right up. And then we're also on Instagram at Keystone Statement. I'm going to start uh, being more interactive with that because I think that's cool. Interact with the common people. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. Yeah. We're all, makes their day. We're a visual society nowadays. <laughs> and what's more visual than Instagram? Yeah. So, uh, so, a crumb, so a few crumbs to the common yeah, Exactly. That's right. right. I'll look down from you on my ivory tower <laughs> as I'm looking to have my Chromebook, typing on my Chromebook. So, all right, everybody. Uh, until next time, we will talk to you later.